Welcome to another episode of Pushing Through the Podcast. Today we have a very special guest, and I mean special. The man is a, he's got a lot of jobs here. I don't know how he stays so in tune with life because he's on television. Every time I turn my television on, he's on NFL Sunday, he's on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, entertainment. <laughs> and besides more than all of that, I call him a good friend, Mr. Nate Burleson. Nate, welcome to Pushing Through in the Podcast, my friend. Man, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate that introduction. I'm usually the guy introducing people on my show, so it's a blessing, man. You know, I'm a huge fan, so it's an honor to also call you a friend. I'm just glad I'm able to chop it up with you, man. Yeah, no, you know, well, Nate, you know, you got so many things and so many things I want to discuss with you. and. But how did you make this transition, right? You play professional football for so many years, you got your family, but you seem to have managed something I've never been able to match. You've juggled life with your with your post-career, you know? How do you do it? And, and, what, and, and explain to us, or at least share with us, what was what got you to go into this sports and entertainment, you know, this field here? Well, really it was, um... It was being very aware of myself and who I am. You know, there's a lot of parallels between um, me and you. Like during your career, you always had that dog in you. You were always wanted to step up when you needed to. You were always willing to um, play whatever role it was, whether it was the man or the man next to the man. Um, but more than that, like you were also very aware of who you were in your career. I, I, I realized right around the middle of my career that I mean, I wasn't going to go down as the greatest receiver to ever play the game. And I also realized that I, I wasn't going to be a perennial pro bowler. I had my years where people showed me love and I made the pro bowl roster. Um, but, you know, I, I figure if I'm not going to go down as the greatest, I'm not going to have a, a bunch of Super Bowl rings in my jewelry box. Um, what am I going to do next? Because that guy who, um, for what it's worth, a good football player, when he transitions out, the game moves so fast that they're quickly forgotten. And being a guy who is, quite frankly, an egomaniac, I'm a Leo, so I love the stage. <laughs> I, I love all the attention. I, I was trying to really figure out what I was going to do next. What can I do to fulfill that void? Because I knew that void was going to come. Um, and I started to tap dance in all these spaces. You know, I, I was a restaurant tour, owned an Italian restaurant in Seattle. Um, I, I launched a few clothing lines. I linked up with a financial firm to help athletes invest. Um, and then people started telling me, you should get in the TV, man. You should get in the TV. And really, I was just the guy that I love hitting you with the cliche, something slick to say. If we played terribly, I'll be honest. If we played incredible, I'll give you some bulletin board material. So they always came to me, the reporters, the media. But then towards the end of my career, as that light at the end of the tunnel got brighter, um, they were like, look, you need to go to the broadcast boot camp. And you should spend summers going to ESPN, NFL Network, CBS, NBC Sports, and really try to dive in and get to know people. And I started to do that. And before I knew it, I realized that I was unique in the sense that I could speak about the game. Um, I'm a storyteller. So by nature, uh, I try to be as articulate and descriptive as I can. Uh, and then once my career ended, I just remember trying to fit in at one of these networks. And the NFL network was one of those places, like, we'll give you a shot. Like, we'll give right. you a legitimate shot. And it's funny, because year 11 was my last year. I tore my hamstring, broke my arm all in one summer. 
And the year before, I broke my arm trying to save a pizza. And <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I only played, I only played um, eight games. But in those eight games, I put up 40 catches and like 500 yards. So, you know, my agent, even the NFL Network was like, mate, just a year ago, you put up 40 catches in half a season. If you're healthy, you're going to put up 80 catches. Nobody's walking away from 80 catches. 80 catches in the league is a few million dollars. At the very minimum, you're making a million dollars a year. And they, they weren't convinced that I was going to retire. But to be honest, I, I wanted to retire because, one, like I was so sick and tired of just being banged up. Right. And then I had this overwhelming like, sense of unfulfillment. Like I was, I was upset. Like it was the first time I ever was released. And I'm sitting at home and teams are like, yo, we're going to sign you, but you got to heal up and you'll come in and you'll be a third or fourth receiver. So um, I retired because I was in my feelings. Like I could have played a few more years. So I was almost, I had to like, I had to jumpstart my post career. Cause I'm like, damn, I'm sitting on my hands now. Like, what am I going to do? And before I knew it, the NFL Network gave me a shot. And once I walked in that building, I was in awe by the superstars. Like I always am and still right. Um, the guys with the gold jackets, the guys that got the rings, the guys that can talk about the game. Um, but then I also realized from a versatility standpoint, something I, I prided myself on during my career, I can do more than most guys on TV. I can do live TV. I can do studio time. I can write scripts. I can do um, color commentating. I can do pre and post game. Um, I can set up segments. I can produce segments. I couldn't do none of that, though, when I was, my, when I was in my first year at the NFL Network. I remember walking in, I was like, look, I want to do a, a music segment. That means we, we really, you know, we, we make a hybrid of sports and music and start bringing artists in. We're in L.A. and I want to write some poetry and recite poetry about storylines. And I think we should do like Saturday Night Live cartoons where we animate certain things and, and, and really like make them bright and vibrant. And I, I know the 50-year-old the, the guy is going to watch the clip, but the 10-year-old, the guy, who, the kid who loves cartoons, he's going to watch it as well. I remember doing all this, just being excited, like a rookie out there trying to do it all. Right, and the right. producer was like, chill out, man. Like, you just got here. First, <laughs> we need to see if you can talk when the cameras come on. And it's funny, because so many years later, I'm doing all that. And they're coming to me for that. They're like, hey, Nate, can you, can you do another rap? Hey, Nate, can we do another eight episodes of your animated series? Hey, Nate, can you? And it just kind of, it's a, it's a testament to, one, sticking with what you think works. Because I always knew, like, that stuff will work. And then also being patient. You know, I kind of saw predictably like what's gonna happen in the future. And now, like all these social media apps and platforms, the bleacher reports and the overtimes, that's all they do is like little animated clips and cartoons and pictures. Like they've they've infused pop culture and animation with the storylines of sports. So um, finally, I'm at a position now where the NFL network is allowing me to be as creative as I truly am. Well, you know, being creative, that's what you do. And uh, and one of the things, Nate, I, 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 when you make this transition and you talk about you went to the NFL Network, you know, the, the, the studio, the media training, yep. was there a moment in that time, Nate, where you said, I can, I can do this? Like, yeah. when did you, when did that happen for you? You know, like in sports, you know, you'd be like, you'll get that feeling year one, year two. When did it happen for you in the, in the media? Because... You could have played, like you mentioned. You could have continued yeah. your football career. When did that moment say, that light go off for you when you said, I could do this? I remember we, we went to the broadcast boot camp, which was here on the East Coast, and I was right around nine or 10 um, years in. And 
I just thought, okay, I'm gonna go up there, I'm gonna slick talk, hit some with some cliches, and then I'm gonna kick it with a whole bunch of NFL athletes from around the league, and then we'll go and party and drink a night, you know? Right. We were working like 12 hour days, like they wasn't playing. It was funny because I worked with JB, James Brown um, on CBS, but he was actually one of the speakers there. And I remember him saying, he's like, yo, you got it. Like, you got it. I mean, you got to sharpen up on some things. You know, you got you to gotta get rid of some of the grammar that you grew up using, um, the terminology and some of the ebonics and the hood talk <laughs> that you try to weave in there to seem cool. But you, you definitely have it. And I remember we had to write our own script and do a live segment on the local news really? at a, like a, a sports store. And so that day I wrote my script and we were talking about the, the aggressiveness of the game and the nature of the game and how there's more injuries. And I just kind of found my, my pocket. Like I, I wrote my script and then the camera came on and I was like, hey, what's up? You're here with Nate. Listen, we got all of this equipment, but this really isn't going to change the game. The game is getting faster. And I do this whole thing and I, I got done. And even the reporters who were there kind of shadowing us, the people there from the local news were like, what was that? Like, you looks like you've been doing this for years. So I had that moment during the broadcast boot camp. But on the flip side, they also simulated um, calling a game. And I called a game with one of the, the top announcers that call games on the weekends. And they didn't tell us the, the game that we were going to call. They just gave us the roster to study the night before. Right. And I got in there and I just I couldn't do it. I, I didn't have the rhythm, like, you know, because What's, what do you say? What is rhythm? Like, what do you mean? What is the rhythm? What is so like? You know, if 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 you know the the play by play guy is like, all right, we got second and ten. Brady's under center. Looks like Mike Evans is in motion, and he just, just kind of lays out. And then from there, the ball snap. They they allow the sounds of the game to take over. Um, and then you know, say Brady throws a slant over the middle to Mike Evans. At that point, the color commentator is supposed to jump in and be like. You know, or he, he might say, what a great catch by Mike Evans. Now it's my turn as the color commentator, bringing the color to it. And I say, oh, yeah, he went in motion, came in on the slant route. Brady saw that safety go a little bit too deep, so he wanted to expose the middle of the field. Great catch by Mike Evans. That big body, big frame, that's what he does, catching passes in between the hashes, right? I can say that now. I know that's what they want. It was like a kid who was double-dutching for the first time. I was like, oh, <laughs> and I kept stepping on him. I didn't know when to jump in. But all it is, in, in the terms of alley-oop and me being a Seattle guy, it was like the play-by-play -play dude is Gary Payton. Color commentator is supposed to be Sean Kemp. If the ball's in the air, yeah. he's going to throw it right by the rim. All you got to do is shove it in. So for me, I, I didn't have that. So those two things, the dynamic of, being so smooth writing a script and being in front of the camera and feeling comfortable versus being in the booth where I just couldn't get it down. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, okay, I feel like a rookie again. Because when you step on the field and as you know, stepping on the court, there's things you do well. Like I remember your game, you can control the rock. Like you, you weren't gonna be out there out of control. You always had this composure about you. You were gonna dish, that perfect little jumper and that formation. That you oh, had. Man, you got so, some, you got it formed there. I like that. Hey, I got a little something. I got a little something, baby. Hey, hey, BJ, I studied you, bro. I was in the game park, man. So, so like, there's things you do well, but then there's other things that you might have to work on. Maybe you weren't the best defender in the post when facing a bigger guard, or you know, maybe your left-handed floater wasn't money like as your, like your right hand was. So, for me, I knew that. Color commentating wasn't something that I wanted to do. And I truly avoided it for like 
three or four years really when I first signed to the NFL network and then I was like man don't be no pump like they would call me and I'd be like oh no I'm busy I'm taking a family vacation but really I'll be at home because I didn't want to be that dude that dude on TV that they're like yo Nate's good in the studio but he's terrible calling games so it's normally find, the other way around right isn't it normally like the other way around where people like to yeah. call the games and yeah. like they'll be in the studio yeah so but how did I, I love the theatrics of being in a studio because I feel like I'm in a movie. It's like I'm, it's like I'm a character. So it's like, you know, I'm sitting there and the camera's on. It's like three, two, one. And I bring you in. Hey, welcome. It's like I'm on stage. It's like I'm, right. you know, I'm, I'm a, a, a composer of sorts. But like when it's when you're calling a game, you're it's like a, a very delicate dance with the other person there. Not to mention he's setting up the play. Color commentator is bringing the actual color to the game. But all in all, game itself is the star like we're just co-stars if, if you're watching a game and it's a movie the leading actor is football and sometimes as you know it's not just with football it could be basketball baseball sometimes you get those play-by-play -play guys or color commentators that want to be the leading star and I, I i didn't know where i would where i would fit in that dynamic but I, I i took a couple opportunities and i've done it over the last few years and the only reason i did it because i was like all right i need to get better at it so I did it, and and uh, now I'm not gonna say um, you know, I'm flawless, but I don't feel like I have a weakness. That was my weakness, and I don't feel like I I, I have a weakness now. I got you. Hey, so they just you know transition a little bit. I want to ask you about the game. Yeah. You know, there's been a pandemic. The NBA, the playoffs are going on. I know you're a huge basketball fan. I know we're yep. gonna we got to touch on that a little yes. bit. Yes. But. As far as the football, you know, the NBA decided to do a bubble. Now yep. football season is starting. You have this great segment, Nate's Take. Yeah. <laughs> give, us, give us a little of what's going on. First of all, tell us a little bit how difficult it was to get this organized. Yeah. Okay. And what they decided to do. And then as now we got what week three coming up here, we got Cam Newton. We got a lot of storylines. We got Brady. Yeah. Yep. Try to give us, got to give us an extended version of Nate. Cause it's always so quick, you know, give us okay. an extended version of Nate's take here. I got you. I got you. So um, during the off season, no workouts, no voluntary workouts, mini camps, training camps, preseason, all that stuff was washed. And you know, I, I didn't think we were going to get here. I, I felt like a five-year-old in the backseat on a road trip. You know, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Yeah. And then when I saw the NBA pull off that bubble, immediately I was like, yes. If the NBA can pull it off, we're good. And everybody was like, well, we don't have the technology to put the, the, the technological people in the stands. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to worry about the fans watching the game. I'm worried about a fan being able to watch the game on my TV. And when I first saw some college games on, I realized right then and there, we don't really pay attention to the fans, but the occasional bump in from commercial break or after a shot, the reaction of a dunk or somebody getting up on the bench. Like, but we don't really look at the fans as the reason why we watch each game. Uh, but now that we're here, it's great. They're, they're, they're doing what they have to do from a protocol standpoint, uh, you know, testing religiously, making sure that there aren't moments where guys feel like they're not safe. And from what I hear, the, the results are down. I mean, most teams are at zero. So it's great that the NFL, they didn't fall into the space of we don't know, so we won't play. 
It was the opposite. It was like, we want to play, so we're going to figure out how to. Now, when it comes to actual football, I mean, come on. 2020 has been crazy. Let's just keep it right. up. Okay, yeah. so first of all, if 2020 is watching, hey, 2020, you tripping? All right, we're getting <laughs> with us. Just chill out, man. Chill out. No mas. I'm on the ropes, throwing the towel. But, like, you, you took Kobe, and, and, that, and that shocked us all. Then you, you came with COVID, and that, that was devastating. Um, and then I heard something about some damn murder hornets. I'm like, come on, man. Really? Right. Murder hornets? Right. Right. Um, you know it's crazy when over the last two weeks there was an earthquake in L.A., and uh, UFOs in New Jersey, and I'm not making these two things. <laughs> Nobody hey, did you see them? Did you see them, Nate? Did I you saw see the video. Yeah. Bro, did I you saw see the video. UFOs? Did you see them, Nate? I saw the UFOs. <laughs> hey, listen, man. You know it's crazy when those two things happen, and people are like, "Oh yeah, that, yeah, 2020. That's about right." Like, but but you know, we'll get to aliens another time. Oh, okay. I played with a couple because Calvin, Calvin Johnson was definitely from another planet, but um. But 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 now that we're here, it's like 2020 just kept coming with the plot twist. Tom Brady with Tampa out of all the teams, Tampa Bay. Yeah, what's up like, with that, Nate? Talk to me, Nate. What's that? What's we that really never good? thought this would happen. Even though the Patriots are the Patriots, and they're gonna do what Patriots do, right? So they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna stick to what they do, which is the Patriot way, and they're gonna let go of guys even if they're legendary. Okay, we've seen it before, right? Vince Wilford, Willie McGinnis, Randy Moss. The list literally goes on and on and on of dudes. They were like. Hey, thanks for your service. Peace. But there was no way that they were gonna let this happen to Tom. And I was thinking when this was all going down, I'm like, why aren't they courting Tom? Like, why aren't they like sending out messages, like uh, calling him, texting him, email, smoke signal, put a, a little paper on, uh, on the ankle of a pigeon and send it to us, I anything. And they didn't do none of that. And you could tell Tom was kind of in his feelings. Like, let's mm. just keep it a buck. Kraft could have came out, Belichick, everybody could have just been saying every day in the media, Tom, we want you, Tom, we want you, we'll figure it out, we'll figure it out. It's like they were like, well, Tom, Tom's gonna, you know, Tom's gonna make a decision. And of course we want him here, but we, we you know, we don't, we don't wanna force the issue. And what's crazy is, like looking back at it, I, I, I assumed it was disrespect, because Tom's a legend, right? He's the greatest quarterback of all time. Or is it the Patriots making the right decision, like they always do, at the right time, letting go of a player right before he heads down the other side of the hill. Now, I'm not saying that's the case because Tom looked pretty good this past weekend, but just the storyline of it, is it the chicken or the egg? Is it Bill right. Belichick, Josh McDaniels in this offense, or is it Tom Brady? We get to see that right now. And I'll tell you what, out, me, out of the gate, it kind of looks like the Patriots, they got the secret sauce because the recipe right now is winning. And they got a whole different dude in there. Cam Newton has never been compared to Tom Brady, and they have adjusted their offense well. So with Tom in Tampa, Cam in, in New England, Russell Wilson playing lights out, the season is about to get crazy. Nate, okay, all right, let me ask you. How does Cam Newton, I mean, he's, he's a stud. How does this guy not get picked up? Okay, I I want to I want to fan out right here. Okay, you mean to tell me Cam Newton, not one other team, is going to try to get Cam Newton? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, that's MVP crazy. of the league a couple years, you know, twenty fifteen. Uh, yeah, I mean, Cam Newton's had seventeen game winning drives. He runs a two minute offense better than most quarterbacks in the NFL. And then you look around and you got, I mean, there's like fifteen quarterbacks that are back. Nick Foles is making more money than him. I mean, you can go down the list of, of guys that are making more money, but somehow Cam gets a one million dollar contract that's not even guaranteed, and now he's, you know, one of the best quarterbacks back in the league again somehow. One hundred percent, man. Listen, 
Cam Newton has shown us when healthy, he is as dynamic as any other QB to ever play the game. Now you can criticize him and talk about uh, the accuracy occasionally. You can criticize him and say that he's banged up, but every quarterback has a weakness. I was just so mad when Cam had that dominant year, people were still trying to knock him. I'm like, yo, this dude scored 50 touchdowns and was doing it in the air and on the ground. And another thing about Cam Newton, like you can't be that big, that fast, that strong, that physical and be able to throw the ball and people still overlook him. I used to describe him as quarterback LeBron because <laughs> like if LeBron played quarterback and, and was an accurate thrower, that's what Cam Newton looks like. There's a picture of him next to Jared Stidham and Jared Stidham is literally looking up to him like a kid at Christmas looking at Santa and, and, and Stidham is 6'3". Mm-hmm. So like that puts it in perspective. But to the point of the Patriots offense, I was also a fan of Cam Newton and still am. And you know what's right. crazy? I talked to Cam in Miami like a few months ago. And I was like, what's up? How you feeling, man? He's like, I'm good, man. You know, I had a little arm thing, a little shoulder thing. And right. I also found out that my foot was hurting. So I had to get that repaired. I had some stuff on my hips and all. He was just talking about it. He, I was like, so are you are you ready to rock? Or like, you close to retirement? He said, nah, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready, Nate. And, mm-hmm. I, and that, I, I took that conversation and I took it right on the camera. And I was talking about it on my show. And I said, look, Cam Newton, wherever he signs, if he's in a good offense and they help build around a skill set, he's going to be a beast. And everybody collectively laughed at me. You know, mm-hmm. a couple of my co-hosts, everybody lit me up on Twitter. Nate, you're living in the past. Every time you talk about mm-hmm. Cam, it's the 2015 season, the MVP. That's so long ago. And I'm like, okay, cool. But let's just say Cam's 90% health. And you have the greatest quarterback coach, the greatest offensive coordinator, the greatest head coach of all times on the roster. You don't think that they're going to be able to build something special? Tom is incredible. Tom Brady is the goal, right? But Tom has never, ever in his career, and this, this is what makes him special, but this is also what makes you excited about what Cam could do. Tom has never been a threat to run, ever. It's not like Tom came in running a 4-3. Tom was <laughs> slow when he came in, he's slow now, which is crazy because it's like in a, in a, in a era where defenders are faster, Tom has never been a threat to run. Nobody thinks he's going to run, but still he can carve you apart. Mm-hmm. But flip that around, though. For the first time in 20 years, the Patriots have a quarterback that can drop back, extend the play, escape the pocket. As a wide receiver, I'm coming out my break. Boom, boom, boom. Cam looks at me. He gives me the, like, GP on a fast break. I turn around. That, that, DB, <laughs> that DB isn't going to stop two routes in one. There's a reason why the highlights for the Ravens look so good. Yep. There's a reason why Pat Mahomes' highlights are so tantalizing. There's a reason why... Russell Wilson throwing a DK Metcalf gets you excited because <laughs> those extra four steps outside the pocket, as a receiver, that gives me like an extra seven seconds. We're literally out in the street, run to the Buick, and then after that, run to the, uh, the light post. And if you're not open, I'll catch you by the stoplight. Like, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. So Cam Newton is now, for the first time, bringing that element to an offense that has never seen it. I can only imagine, like, Julian Edelman coming out of his break thinking the ball's going to be there. And it's not. And then Cam's like, and he hits him on the sideline. <laughs> that's, that's a luxury, man. Mm. Hey, 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 Nate. Uh, so, just talking, you talking about my man down there in Baltimore. That man's so fast. That man runs off my screens. I watch the television. <laughs> There's a, it's, I mean, again, I just want, I want to fan out here. Yeah. These quarterbacks today, I mean, these, these brothers is running so fast and so athletic. But that brother down in, in, in Baltimore, he different. 
Man, he is, is he different? Nate, just tell me. Is he different? He's different, man. Hey, listen, Lamar Jackson is – he's clearly the fastest quarterback to ever play the game. Um, faster than he faster than my man Vic. He, he, I think so, man. I think he's faster than Vic because he's he's a little bit lighter than Vic. Like he's mm. he's he's slight, man. And and you know when he came in, they were like, oh, he should maybe work out as a receiver at the combine. And Lamar was like, nah, fam. It was like, well, you <laughs> might like a, a different. What he say, Nate? Nate, what he say? Nah, fam. <laughs> yeah, Couldn't be Lamar don't be talking, bro. He just be like, I met him. And I'm, I'm over here hyping him up, like, well, Lamar, what's up, baby? How you doing? You know, boop, boop. And he was like, hey, Nate, I appreciate what you said on the show about, you know, me and my moms. Because people was on, on him and on his moms because she's, like, served as, like, you know, part of his agent and part, like, marketing. And people were saying that she's steering him in the wrong direction and that he should consider playing a different position and that, you know, he's not doing things the right way. He's closing himself off. And I just said, look, stick with your guns. You and your mom's got a vision for your career. Right. You stick with what you stick with. And he was like, yo, I appreciate you saying that on TV because a lot of people weren't saying it. They weren't, they, they weren't gonna be the ones to have the bold take that Lamar should not play another position. I said, this dude should play quarterback. And if you're concerned about his throwing, it's going to improve. So the fact that one, he can drop back and at any moment take off and make you look foolish. Mm -hmm. Like Vic, Vic was like, Quarterback Iverson, because he can cross you over and hit mm. you with the one-two. I think like, like Lamar's like, he's more like like Westbrook on a fast break. Like he's, just, <laughs> he's so fast and he's gonna get past you regardless. Um and and another thing that people kept talking about was, oh, he, he's not gonna last. He's not mm. gonna, he's not gonna, he's not gonna last. Listen, we've seen our fair share of quarterbacks get banged up. We saw Romo at the end of his career, Carson Wentz throughout the early part of his career. Right. RG3 even had a lot of yeah, injuries yeah, early yeah, on. Yeah. And who's the backup for Lamar in Baltimore? RG3. RG3. Yeah. So if RG3 is an example, we constantly reference of a guy doing too much with the ball in his hands, not protecting himself, trying to fight for extra yards, and ended up being banged up more time than he was healthy towards the end of his stint with the Washington football team. You don't think that Lamar Jackson is sitting next to him every day in the meeting like, okay, if I have a chance to fight for two extra yards and I already got the first down, I'm not going to do it. Like he, yeah, he knows he's learned from guys that he's seen and now that he plays with. Um, and the last thing I'll say is, you know, I, I, I said that Lamar should be mentioned in the conversation with Mahomes and Russell Wilson, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Aaron mm -hmm. Rodgers yeah. and all mm -hmm. the great quarterbacks that are playing right now. And they're like, well, come on, give me a break. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, what Think about his passion. His passion really isn't where it should be. And I'm like, it's funny that you remember the stat that he was number sixth overall in rushing, which is crazy. Not, you know, crazy. Like, like, That's crazy to be. Out of running backs, he was number sixth overall. Mind you, and there was games where he didn't play in the third quarter, like yeah. a team blowing out another squad during the homecoming game. But he, he, he was number six and still led the league in pass touchdowns with 36. So you can't have the conversation with me that Lamar can't throw the ball. Mm -hmm. You can't. It's, it's it's illogical for you to to pull that out of nowhere and say, "Well, he needs to work on his passing." Well, if he needs to work on his passing, every other quarterback that was behind him last year needs to too. So mm -hmm. Lamar, right now, he's got it, and they have the perfect offense for his skill set. Quick break to get aware from our sponsor, DraftKings. Week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for Week three. 
There is no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of Week 3, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. That's right. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team this week. That's right. You can place a $1 bet on any team. And if that team happens to win, you cash a cool Benjamin $100. How could you pass that deal up? Don't worry, if football isn't for you, DraftKings is giving all you MMA fans the same great offer to use for this weekend's UFC 253. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your own convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code LASTDANCE when you sign up for this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during Week 3, bet $1 to win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code LASTDANCE during sign-up. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Back to Nate Burleson. And Nate, I want to ask you, because you were bringing up the Vic thing, and I grew up a Carolina Panthers fan, you know, watching those guys go against, you know, the Falcons back in the day. And one of my favorite matchups was Julius Peppers would play against Vic. And it was basically like Julius Peppers was Mike Vick's spy for the game, right? He was basically the only athlete that could try to match up with him. And then you would see, like you said, you know, Mike Vick crossing up Julius Peppers or spinning out of a, you know what I mean? But it was like a, a highlight moment. Is there any defender that you see like matching up with Lamar where we may have some of those battles where it's a, he, this guy might just spy him like a Von Miller or something like that? I, I was just trying to think of someone. I would say it's going to take two. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. And it would be a combination like Bobby Wagner and Jamal mm. Adams. Mm. You know, two guys that are extremely physical and extremely fast. Because the thing about Lamar, if you're small and fast, um, you know, he's fast. And if you're big, you're too slow. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to have a couple of individuals, guys that spy him on multiple levels. And Vic... He had that type of ability where there would be a spy at the linebacker position and then there was a spy at the safety position. Sometimes mm -hmm. they would drop a defensive lineman and then they would spy out of the backfield. So um, I feel like Lamar, he's dialing that up, which makes it hard for teams to stop him. If a yeah. team comes in and say, all right, we're going to dedicate our fastest defender to Lamar and you're going to be spying him all day long. OK, now we automatically know that's one dude that's going to be watching me. OK, now let's figure out who they're going to stop on our offense. Mark Andrews is having a big day. Marquis uh, Hollywood Brown is having a big day. Mark Ingram is having a big day. If Willie Sneed, if all these guys start having big days, now you have to take one more guy to bracket that dude. Now it's <laughs> true one-on-one -on -one coverage across the board. Yep. And if you've got speed and playmaking ability as a wide receiver, skill player, tight end, running back, one-on-one -on -one is like taking candy from a baby. <laughs> Nate, can I, I, Nate, can I just have my moment here? I just had <laughs> my Nate. I, 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 I need I need my I need my Nate here. I need my what's man up, what's Nate. Up? Nate. What's up? What's up? What's up, man? I'm I'm from Detroit. This okay. Is my blood. And okay. Nate, Nate, you know Nate. I loved you. You came to Detroit to help us out. You came right, to right, Detroit. Right. You know they. So you feel my pain right now, Nate. Right. 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 Every year, my family <laughs> make fun of me. My dad say, son, why did you torture yourself like this? <laughs> My wife say, she said, baby, I love you. Why do you do this to yourself? Uh, Every Sunday, I call all my friends from Detroit and we get on a big group chat and we just, we sulk and we have our sorrows and, and, they, and they go, why? Why do you continue to wear your Detroit Lions stuff? 
Nate. Hey, hey, just tell hey. me, Nate. Are we gonna ever get it together, Nate? I, 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 I'm gonna hang in there. That's all I know. Like, you, can, I I, you, I'm bro. a true fan, Nate. Nate, I just needed this moment. I need Nate. I need a hug right now. Nate, yeah, help me out right now. Tell yeah, me it's like therapy, live yeah, therapy. Nate, give me something, Nate. Yeah, tell, me help me, yeah. Give me something right now, Nate. Hug, and, and do I, I got what, what's going on with my lions, Nate? I, I'm right there with you, bro. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lion through and through. I, I was born a Leo. I feel like a lion. I got a tattoo on my chest that says <laughs> a lion sleeps in the heart of every man. So <laughs> I already have a bias. I already want this team to win. Well, when we go wake up, Nate, we sleeping. When we go wake up, though, Nate. That's a fact. Bro, listen, we were up in both games and just fumbled them away. So, like, you know, we had a conversation on the show today. Who's the most disappointing uh, 0-2 team? Who's the most disappointing 0-2 team? Is it the Jets or the Giants? And I was like, man, it's either. It's the Lions. Mm. The fact that they were up in these games, that's what makes it even more frustrating. Because, listen. To get beat straight up, you know, a back and forth game, that's different. It's like, all right, you know, credit to the victor. To get blown out, that's different. It's like, all right, we just we just didn't have it or that team was too good for us. But when you're up, it's like, are we good? Or are just like in uh, coming to America after watching Randy <laughs> Watson, are we good and terrible? Like, I, I, I try to figure out what we are. But for me, I, I, I got to have faith and I got to have faith that these guys are going to figure out because they got too much talent. Mm, mm. And Nate, I have to ask you, I mean, being in Detroit, you know, BJ obviously wants to get some therapy here for his <laughs> Lions fan. But the, the Megatron era, you talked about some of the, the guys that you saw and you played against. I mean, just playing across from Megatron and just having Calvin Johnson and just that experience. Because, I mean, for, for some younger fans, they don't even realize how much of a, I mean, he was an absolute force. You know, I mean, this guy was at Georgia Tech and was an offense all by himself when he's in Detroit. I mean, anything was possible with Megatron. What was it like just to have someone on your team where you're like, look, we just throw it up to that guy. The fade seems to be out of football now, but with Megatron, the fade was a guarantee almost. It was like, just throw it up to that guy. He's going to jump 12 feet in the air, and that's a touchdown. So what was it no like with Megatron? No doubt about it. Listen, I, I, I met Randy Moss my rookie year, and I thought, man, this is gifted. I don't think I'll ever play with a guy as talented as this. Yeah. And then a few years later, I signed with Seattle, and then at Seattle, I signed with Detroit, and I show up for practice. And I kind of heard about Calvin. Mm-hmm. Um and the only time that I've ever seen him in person was when I was in Seattle and the Detroit Lions came to play us. And I knew the offense coordinator for uh, Detroit. And I remember having a good game and I'm just talking cash. <laughs> and like, I, I remember like catching the ball and I, I was right by the first down and the dude was trying to pull me down. And as I'm trying to run for the first down, I'm giving the first down signal and they hit, let, hit me late and I'm getting up, talking my talk. And now I, I looked at Detroit. I was like, I'm a free agent. Y'all better come get me. So the players hated me, right? And, uh, and I remember Calvin running this fade route. Uh, on the right sideline, and he gets rocked by our safety. He goes up, and he is a bad ball. He gets rocked, right? And so I'm out there, punt return. So I go out there, punt return, and he's, like, right there on the ground. So <laughs> it's a true story. So I, I go over there, and I'm like, hey, big fella, you all right? And he was getting up off the ground. And it was like he, he was a transformer, like, like getting up, he, it was like, right? But like, as he's getting up, he's like getting up in sections, right? Like boom, boom, boom. And bro, this is how I look. He's like this, he's like this. And he's like, oh, he does himself off. And then he just gets up and he's just like, and he's looking down at me. He's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. 
And you know, I'm I'm six, I'm six two, and I'm like this. Oh, okay, all right. All right the game. And, and and I remember, you know, running the punt. I wouldn't even think about the punt. I just kept thinking, I gotta go tell somebody how big this dude is. So I, I was like, I'm hurry up and getting done with the play. I'm like, ah, 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 ah. right. I run the sideline. I go to Dion Branch because that's my boy. He was yeah. on Seattle with me. So I was like, Dion, Dion, bro, did you see how big Calvin is? Like, yeah, man. That's a big ass dude. And I'm like, yeah, that dude big. So that was my like first like introduction to Calvin. Yeah. Then I get on the football field and he's a beast. And he mm. works his ass off. I'm sorry, really? weight room, conditioning. He works like he's trying to make the team every day. Super mm. humble, super humble. And I remember that day, reporters wanted to talk to me because of my first practice as a Lion. And they were like, so, you know, how's it feel to be here, yada, yada, yada. And they were like, so Calvin Johnson, there's a lot of question whether he's a number one guy. You know, we've, we've had number one guys before. Um, Charles Rogers, rest in peace, he passed away. Uh, Roy Williams, you know, we had guys, number one guys before. Is he a number one guy? And I was like, are you? Are you watching the same dude I just practiced with? <laughs> I, I got real mad real quick. They were like, what? I'm like, no, I'm like, that dude, is he number one? Is he, yeah. This was a beat. I said, I guarantee he'll be the best receiver this year. And I guarantee he'll break records over the next couple of years. And that's, I think, the following year he ended up breaking Jerry Rice's record. But that was like, that was my experience. Calvin Johnson every day just showing up and showing out. Like, he was so gifted physically. Like, God was like, all right, we got to make next up. Uh, Calvin Johnson Jr. Okay, all right, we're gonna give him height, um, uh, strength, um, ball uh, skills, ops, ball skills, <laughs> intelligence. He graduated an engineering degree from Georgia yeah, Tech. So smart, yep. Humility, um, okay, uh, yeah, a little bit of goofiness because he was a goofball. <laughs> um, and, and we're just gonna give him the ability to be the best and he everything and he just mixed it up and made Calvin. Um, and, and with that. I, I can honestly say if Calvin was an asshole and play like that, we would accept it. I mean, we all we all play with dudes that were considered jerks, right. but you accept it because they bring so much to the table. Yep. Calvin wasn't even that. Like Calvin was so humble. There was times he was so banged up that he would limp through practice. And because he was a leader, he wanted to show that he can lead us through the week. And I remember one practice, he was limping so bad. I went to my coordinator and I said, yo, Calvin's done. I went to my haircut, I said, Calvin's done. They're like, what? You can't, what? I said, man, I don't care, whatever. Get mad at me, I'll run his routes and my routes. He's done. I was like, CJ, go to the room. <laughs> and this, this is like when I was like, you know, I had 10 years in, I got a little bit of say. Yeah. And he kind of looked at me, I was like, you're done, bro. I got the rest of your routes, we're good. And the coaches were looking at me and I was like, we good? We good? And the coach was like, yeah, we good. And I just had to talk with him like, yo, if Calvin's trying to kill himself during the week, He's not going to be able to put up 250 on game day. Yeah, so, yeah. like, let's figure out how much we really need him out here on the field versus how much you guys want to see him out here on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that was my experience with Calvin. That's my dog, man, one of my closest friends. Yeah, he's man, the best. Man, he's man. the best. And I got to ask you a little bit about the, the media aspect of that. You mentioned that they ask you, is he the number one receiver, right? And you kind of lose your mind. You're like, is that really a question? Did you really have that written down on that piece of paper right now to ask me something so stupid? And now you're in the media and you're doing Good Morning Football, one of my favorite shows in the football space. You guys have Appreciate a great that. levity to that show. I mean, Peter Schrager, I know Schrager, he's a great guy. And it's a lot of fun. And you guys do a great job of not, you know, Baiting. It's not narrative stuff. It's a it's a fun conversation. It's good for the game. Did you learn something as a player just observing the media that you wanted to take from the game? You know, when you were on the other side, or is that something that you sort of figured out? I know you went to like the boot camp for the NFL. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but 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 what was the uh, what was kind of the moment that you were like, I want to be this kind of media person? I, th- I think it was it was a combination of being the guy that the reporters always came to, but yep. then also watching shows and hearing the same voice coming out of different people. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, damn, like I don't. Yeah, how many Bill Polians are there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? Like, I remember when I first got in the game, you know, mm-hmm. the producers are telling you kind of what pitch you sh- should talk in and the tone you should have and mm-hmm. and how fast you need to say something and how fast you got to get to your point. Mm-hmm. And I came in kind of like I had my moments where, you know, I, I sounded a little bit like uh, Michael Irvin. And I'm like, look, we, we got to go out there and the Lions got to do that thing because we all the Lions, right? And, you know, because Irvin got a little, little Professor Clump in him. Yeah. Uh, there, was not, there was times when I, you know, I came in and I thought I was uh, Deion Sanders. I'm like, hey, listen, man, you know, if you go, if you go out there and you look good, you play good, because but I was, and I was like, nah, that ain't me. That is like I was a million trying to figure it out. Even that's more coach, so far. Hey, that's Coach Prime now. You got to call him Coach, coach Prime. Prime. Coach Prime now. He won't answer the DI. He won't answer that's Coach Prime. Prime. <laughs> coach Prime had the baby face in that, uh, <laughs> that press conference. That boy shaved off everything. <laughs> that was the greatest press conference I've ever seen. I, I've watched it like a hundred. I've watched it like fifty times, man. It's yeah. But um, but I had to figure it out because I was. I was like, uh, I was copycatting guys that I saw. Even Marshall Falk, like, you know, Marshall Falk is astute, you know? So mm-hmm. I came in, I was like, well, allow me to pontificate on the point. Like, <laughs> the, the repercussions of your actions will yeah. always reverberate around the universe. And that's why the touchdown was incredible. Uh, you know, I'm like, I got a little Don King in there and I'm like, you know what, that ain't me. Like, I'm not Irvin, I'm not Prime, I'm not Marshall Falk, I'm Nate Burleson. So um, once I figured out my own voice, which I can be concise. I can tell stories within a point I'm making and yep. still get to my punchline and, and allow you to see the game from a different angle. Like, that's what I'm all about. I want you to go to the water cooler, the barbershop, go kick it with your boys, talk with your family about sports and listen to me say something and regurgitate that. Because if I sit here and tell you, hey, listen, Odell's three-handed catch, the probability was 72%. And that's why you know, like, you're going to be like, what is that? Yeah. But if, if, I, if I make that relatable, like, you know, when somebody tosses you your keys and you're standing in the kitchen, you got the confidence to catch them keys because you're not going to let them things hit the floor. Yeah. That's how Odell feels when the ball's in the air. He's catching keys. He's catching footballs and you're catching keys. And, you know, somebody is sitting at home, I'd be like, oh, damn, I never thought about it like that which, you know, is the whole point of being on TV. So I don't separate myself because I feel like I have to. I separate myself because it's the most natural thing to do. Mm. You know, Nate, we can sit here and talk all day. I know you're a busy man. I would say, where can we find you? Just turn your television on. He's there. He's everywhere. (laughs) And Nate, I mean this. Thank you so much every week. You know, you entertain us. You are the best of the best. The greatest thing I can call you a true friend, my friend. And hey, anything you need here from pushing through in the podcast, we hear from you. You know, you always got a fan and you are the best. You know, I love to see it when I see young men, you know, transition and uh, to watch. And I didn't even know you had the invitations and we didn't even get to your bars. We There's so much more we got to get to. So would you please come back? Would you please come back? Please of course, let me, I mean, let me say this one. I appreciate you. You know, I appreciate you, my brother. Um, we definitely got to connect because the next uh, evolution of the Nate Burleson brand is um, creating a one-stop shop 
a firm, if you will, for people transitioning out of the game. Yes, I've love been it. working on this yes. for quite some time. And because I've been sitting back, kind of pushing talent into other people's hands, all of these athletes, even people leaving college that aren't playing sports, that want to get into the media space, get into music, get into acting, get into clothing, get into the restaurant business. I've done all these things. So yep. um, I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of creating a firm. And I know you are the go-to dude because as a former player, you have written one of the blueprints of how to um, kind of transition into that field. Um, secondly, I got a little something. I'm leaving you with a little something. <laughs> please, do, a, please do, please do, please do, please do. I'm, I'm gonna leave you with a little something, okay? So this is a little something I wrote, just with everything that's going on. Um, you know, I had to feel like I had to write write a little something. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. um, this is called the mission. All right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so what's the mission? Hate is our addiction. Please sit down and listen, cause we need an intervention. What's mm -hmm. the mission? is it vision? Ironic, cause 2020 got us seeing things so different. We're supposed to be equal, but that message isn't clear though. Super villains acting like the superheroes. Another sketch to reflect who's dead in the streets. Illustrate pain, blame, stain, blood, red in the streets. It's our lives. Explain it. Why try? If you're not black, it's hard to connect. Like Wi-Fi, what's the mm. mission? Is it silence? Because if you ignore the violence, does that mean you are complicit? What's the mm. mission? Are we in this together? Because indecision only leads to our division. For every senseless murder that you heard of or you witnessed, we will fight mm. Until the day that this is finished, what's the mission? Mm. And they say, Woof, bars. Woof. <laughs> 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 hey, hey. Appreciate y'all, man. Man, appreciate you. So I love my friend. you the best of the best, man. Take care. And uh, please come back, Nate. Please come no back doubt. and see us again, my friend. No Thanks doubt. so no much, doubt. Nate. All, All right, right, take. Yep. All right, Midas.